Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Evening from Prague. This is Pete Coleman for the Bohemian Podcast, and we have a great interview uh, show in, in front of you tonight for uh, this podcast. And we don't do too many of these. Uh, usually, our programs are, are produced in a way of a, a narrative uh, prose and, and a documentary style. But every once in a while, like we did with Sam Beckwith from the Prague Pig uh, uh, blog post. We have some nice interviews, and uh, today I am joined uh, by a good friend of mine and also a co-worker and the uh, co-creator uh, of a application uh, for the iPhone and also for uh, Android uh, uh, devices that is called Lingo Native, and we're going to talk about that tonight as well as his uh, background uh, in, in connections to the Czech Republic. So with that introduction, let's introduce our guest tonight, finally, Andrew Yendacek. Andrew, thanks for being on the program tonight. Yeah, I'd like to start off just by uh, talking a little bit about uh, the app. Uh, it's called Lingo Native. Uh, I developed it with a colleague of mine from a previous uh, place I worked. Um, I'm, a, I'm from the United States, from the state of New Mexico, and uh, my colleague is from Prague. And we uh, decided after some discussions uh, over lunch that uh, we wanted to embark on putting together an app that would essentially provide um, both Czech native speakers as well as uh, anyone who speaks English the opportunity to really learn how to speak um, both English and Czech as natives, natives would use the language. Um, anyone who's ever tried to use uh, Google Translate uh, to translate uh, from English into Czech becomes pretty uh, aware of the limitations of Google Translate. We think that there's a, there is a need in the market for people to be able to interact in that foreign language as native speakers would. Well, yeah, very interesting about the, the process with this and creating an app and getting that moving, but maybe you could walk us through how this all got started because you know, no one really just goes out there and just starts an app out of scratch without really kind of doing their homework on what's needed. Could you walk us through those steps on the very beginnings of uh, designing this application, Lingo Native? So it started off, uh, I started developing a, a, an Excel spreadsheet of all sorts of things that that were common occurrences in, in my life living here in Prague, uh, going to the shops or um or making arrangements at the um, foreign mi- uh, ministries and things like that, and I, and when my colleague David uh, saw what I had been compiling over the years, he said, "Wow, this is a, a really fantastic uh, start to a really big project that we could that we could take on." So at this point, uh, the database that runs in the back end of the app has roughly ten thousand phrases. Um, and it's always growing. So you're, when, when a, a user is um, 
using Lingo Native and um, looks for something, uh, they may not find exactly what they're looking for, but there's the op- the option uh, to uh, enter your requested translation. And um, we see that in the back end and then can um, provide uh, a native translation. So it could be uh, something I, I can draw from a few examples that are in the app. Um, for example, if you were to put in, uh, I, I always like this one, um, we're on a wild goose chase. And if you ever put this into uh, uh, Google Translate, of course, it would translate the the words wild goose and chase independently. But to a Czech speaker, the, the, the actual meaning of this uh, combination of words would be meaningless. So uh, that's, ex- that's an example of the kind of things that we would translate um, as uh, a native Czech sp- uh, speaker would, would say that. Over time, I, uh, I also discovered, of course, how challenging the grammar is. And I thought, you know, there must be an easier way. Maybe there's an easier way to really begin to wrap my mind around the complexity of the language. Maybe if I start using full phrases, um, I can sort of bypass the, uh, the um, mathematics of the, of the grammar and, uh, and learn maybe in a more organic way. And really, that's how the, 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 the app itself really took off. It was about compiling uh, very commonly used expressions. So not just uh, expressions that you'd use at a pub or, um, you know, but, but very common expressions, you know, how to ask very basic questions correctly. What are you seeing with, with some of uh, the, the downloads that you have right now? And where do you want it to go for the future uh, is it kind of still in its infancy? Is it still some room for growth, of course? Uh, and what is your target audience? Where we want to see the app go in the future? Well, um, we've, we recognize that there's a real premium on um, especially young Czechs mastering English. So our initial audience really w- was Czechs learning English. But of course, as we developed this this idea further and further, we said, we know, this is also has the same applicability for uh, any English speakers. It doesn't have to be native English speakers, but any English speakers to learn Czech. So we really have a very wide, wide audience, um, both foreigners uh, living here, um, native Czechs, and of course, uh, the uh, large tourist population that comes to Prague and, and uh, visits throughout the Czech Republic every year. So, Andrew, you had mentioned that the spreadsheet of all this information you're putting together that started this application uh, for uh, Lingo Native is that, and, and please feel free to drop that name as many times as you want to during this podcast. Uh, it's always good to kind of do some name dropping for people to remember the, the name Lingo Native. It must have taken um, – well, it's a work of love actually, right? I mean it, there might be some things in here that you needed to say, I want to make uh, something that I can use, that I, that I would enjoy as I'm acclimating back to the society here in Europe. The other part is, is is kind of paying it forward for people that want to know more about you know how to communicate here when you get to Czech Republic. Not an easy language at all. But maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your journey that got you to this point to help make this app. You know, it was rather interesting. My my father had always stayed in touch with uh, our extended family, uh, mostly his his cousins that live um, in the area around Nahod, um, some of the, the smaller towns around there. 
which is uh, in the East, uh, Eastern Czech Republic. And uh, growing up, I always remember that uh, these uncles would send us packages, uh, including old shoes. And my dad was always excited to uh, find a, a pair of old shoes in the mail. And he, oh, we've got some old shoes from Czechoslovakia. And my sisters and I looked at him uh, like he'd lost his mind. And uh, he'd reach down into the toe of the shoes and pull out bags of dried mushrooms uh, which, uh, so it was, it was used, the shoes were, were, were there just as packaging to be thrown away. It was the mushrooms that my dad was after. But, um, as it turned out with this, uh, this, um, maintaining the family connection, um, throughout the whole period, uh, of socialism, uh, my, my dad said, you know, Andrew, you, you graduated from high school, um, Perhaps you'd want to go spend some time with your uncle, and uh, um, and so I said, okay, well, why not? Uh, never had really much of a connection to uh, the Czech Republic, but I thought it could be a very interesting time. So this was in 1991, and my parents said, okay, we've arranged it. Uh, you can go live with your uncle Bohosh in the small town of Hronov, uh, where uh, the famous Czech author uh, Alois Jirasek is from. And uh, they'll arrange for you to uh, spend a year uh, attending the local gymnasium in, in Nachod. And I said, well, that sounds really interesting. Okay, I'll try it out. Uh, I, I guess, I, of course, at, at the age of 17, I, I wasn't prepared for uh, any of this. And uh, especially uh, since I didn't have any of the language skills. But it was one of those situations, you know, absolutely sink or swim Um and I discovered that uh, none of my family members really spoke any English, so it was a, a daily struggle just to communicate from the from the very beginning. Your father that was born here in 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 Prague, right? And um, and he had uh, some memories of being here in post war uh, Czechoslovakia uh, and the dawn of going into con- the communist era here for the next forty or so years. It was his father that. Uh, Antonin, that uh, was really in the middle of all this stuff. I, I would, by our conversation, I would definitely call him a revolutionary. Uh, not not the type of the guy to wear the armband or go out there and, and lead the guys in, in, a, in a march, but he did it with his pen, his typewriter, if you will, and and tried to document what was going on here, leading into that coup of 1948. Uh, that's that's right, Pete. Um, my grandfather. Um, right after the war, uh, became the editor of a publication uh, referred to as uh, Amaretske Listi, uh, the American Pages. And he was reporting about uh, all sorts of uh, events happening uh, abroad. Um, but, but from a perspective, um, from the American, I guess from a sort of somewhat of an American perspective, uh, looking at uh, the democracy in the state, um, he became uh, quite a critic of what was happening in um, the post-war Soviet Union and uh, subsequently what was happening um, in um, the late 40s, uh, ultimately uh, culminating into the, um, the coup of the Czechoslovak government um, by the Communist Party uh, in 1948. And um, he was, as a newspaper man, he was uh, there in parliament and um, Watching the events as they unfolded, um, so he, he and he was of course um, recording these events. 
um, this kind of a person with with this position uh, at the time uh, very quickly became uh, an enemy of the state. And my grandfather has uh, quite an uh, interesting and exciting um, story. Uh, it could have ended. It could this could have just ended his life um, because of just being the. Uh, wrong guy in the wrong place. Um, but in fact, he had a, a great stroke of luck. He found out that the state was looking to arrest him uh, in 1948 um, through some uh, close connections uh, in, in, in the government. In fact, uh, at the time, there was a, the minister of health. His name was Adolf Prochaska. And uh, he was also very instrumental in assisting uh, my my family uh, in their escape from uh, communist Czechoslovakia, my grandfather made it managed to escape um, overnight, and uh, the United Nations essentially assisted him, making it to New York, uh, where he later testified uh, to the UN about what was happening here. Unfortunately, the rest of uh, his family, so my grandmother, uh, my father, and uh, aunt and uncle. They they had to remain in uh, Prague, uh, and they stayed here for another um, about six or seven months before they were able to escape uh, with the help of the uh, Minister of Health, um, uh, Adolf Prochaska. Um, the reason for why they stayed and couldn't flee with my grandfather was because my uncle was on uh, one of the typical uh, uh, school ski trips. It's called uh, Lijarski Vitzvik in Czech, and uh, he was up in the mountains. We, uh, of course, the family couldn't just leave the country and leave him behind. So uh, as a result, my grandmother uh, and the rest of the family waited for him to return. As it turned out, uh, my grandfather, this uh, minister of health, were able to, they were able to orchestrate a falsified outbreak of polio claimed that there was a, a real problem with a polio epidemic um, across Czechoslovakia. And as a result, this reduced the number of the border guards, uh, Stasi, by uh, about two-thirds. The rest of the story is also quite interesting, how they escaped in a, in a large group. Uh, one of the members of the escape party uh, happened to be a hunchback, and uh, everyone in the rest of the party was very concerned about that drawing attention. And uh, my dad, as a child, remembers the arguments between members of the, of the escape party thinking that they're drawing too much attention. In the end, they posed as people out there in the woods uh, collecting mushrooms, mushrooms being a very, collecting mushrooms being a very popular thing to do here in uh, the Czech Republic. And uh, underneath all of the mushrooms were uh, my grandmother's jewels and uh, all the money that they had. Uh, so they basically left with the shirts on their backs and uh, managed to get into uh, West Germany. It's an amazing story of refugee status uh, to to head head out to um, I believe at the time would be coming through uh, West Germany and then going into being sent off to the states. Looking at this is that it's just a an issue of fate or just a circumstance that some of the family had to stay here and some were able to go. And I think that's a very common thing for a lot of Czechs that look into their history that families were torn apart by this. If you could get out 
you did. You know, you tried your best to get out, but then there was all the people that you, you left behind. And one of the things that, that you told me your story about this was that your grandfather wasn't quiet about his disdain towards the new government and the publications that he wrote, the things that he said, and, and a very famous package that he sent back this direction might have contributed to some serious problems for the family members left behind. Luckily, it didn't, but maybe you could kind of walk us through some of the things that he did as as a boat rocker, as I like to call it. That's right, Pete. Um, so after my grandfather, Antonin Yandacek, uh made it uh, stateside, he had a hard time, as any immigrant does, uh, trying to um, build a new life for himself. And uh, he continued to work on um, his publications, of course, writing in the Czech language uh, and, and now uh, able to publish uh, his Czech manuscripts um, in the American press. Um, when he, when my grandfather discovered that they had um, issued him a, a death sentence by hanging um, in absentia, so he was already in the United States, um, my, my grandfather was so outraged by the news that he ended up uh, deciding to mail uh, President Gottwald uh, 10 feet of rope, uh, essentially uh, telling Gottwald, go hang yourself. And, um, and I, I would agree, this is sort of an act of rebellion and maybe not the most uh, uh, calculated decision uh, in his life um, because, of course, this could uh, have led to uh, all sorts of very bad things happening to the rest of his uh, family that were still here in, in Czechoslovakia. So I, I understand from my uncle that you know it was, of course, very difficult for anyone in the family to uh, go on to get a, a higher e- a degree at university, and and that was that was probably the um, the softest uh, kind of repercussion that um, you could imagine for such an act, uh, especially when you consider that uh, other. Um, other people who were um, even affiliated with people who were um, protesting against the state or uh, making uh, these kinds of gestures, they might they may uh, very well end up in uh, the uranium mines in Yakomov and uh, uh, serve a sentence there, um, and most likely uh, also come down with um, some terrible uh, lung disease that would that would. Uh, uh, claim their lives. Uh. I, I think I think you really hit hit that uh, the nail on the head there, um, you know, Andrew. Because I think some people might listen to this and say, you know what, you know, we, we're talking about what ifs and and what could have been. You know, maybe the communist government at the time wasn't going to be so heavy handed, but of course they were. And historical references and fact that these things happened, people just disappeared especially during those very heady times between 48 and 52. People were sent to the uranium mines or to these concentrate. We call them concentration camps. They're basically prison camps or re-education camps. I'm using air quotes right now uh, as I'm saying that. Uh, the Voynia uh, prison camp that's uh, that's heading towards Tashumova. Um, I've been there. I've seen it. It's uh, reminiscent of what you would see during Nazi Germany. Um, all the dissidents that were there were people that ranged from the clergy, priests, Catholic priests, artists, uh, actors, um, press people, 
So just think of anybody that can can really push change in another direction from what was coming. Uh, they were imprisoned. Yeah. Uh, and they were the lucky ones. Some of them were sent off to Siberia. Some of them were never heard from again. One person in particular, as you're telling me this story, is something I just saw on Netflix the other day. It's been out for a year or so. It was a story of Malata Horakova. Uh, if you ever want to take a look at that on Netflix, she was hanged, actually, about three miles from here at uh, Pankrat's prison uh, that's still in, in place today. And she was uh, part of the legislature, and she was fighting against this coup that was coming. And she had every opportunity to leave. Um, her husband did get out, but she couldn't leave. And she stayed, and she was uh, sentenced to death by hanging. And uh, so this, those things did happen. And the repercussions for family members went on for another generation until 1989. I mean, we can, we can talk about so many other people that, that were on the wrong end of that <laughs> of, this, of the political flow here when it came to the communists. So to look at these papers in front of me and um, see, I'm looking at right now, uh, the cover of it looks like a, a friar, right? you know, yeah. a, probably a, a bishop of some some type, chained around his neck to the hammer and sickle uh, over a, a map of Czechoslovakia. You know, this is what your grandfather had written, and you can definitely tell just by the cover art, even though I can't read the check inside, um, you can tell his viewpoints on things, um, that this was a man that was mm-hmm. very, very much against what was happening and very concerned about his home country. Um, uh, Andrew, how long did he live, and did he get to see any of the changes that were coming by 1989? No, no. My my grandfather uh, died before I was born, so uh, he he never got to witness the the um, Velvet Revolution and the transformation of the state. Um, my grandmother also didn't didn't live until 89 either, but uh, she did manage to fly back. Um, uh, to visit family uh, who she hadn't seen in decades um, before she before she died. So uh, at least there was some degree of closure in her life. But I think, as as you pointed out, there, there were really uh, was a few generations of real suffering uh, and um, families really being torn apart because of um, you know having any political opinions that uh, might be less than favorable by the state. So, so Andrew, we're looking at some of the other uh, periodicals and also some of the books that were written by both your grandmother and your grandfather. They have strong connections to the old country of, of Czechoslovakia. And uh, it, it's nice to see that you have this bit of history here as a connection. You, you mentioned that your grandfather died before you were born. So you can actually kind of see through his words and, and his books what kind of man he was. Both of my uh, grandparents were... Um, quite active uh, in the, in their literary circle, which I think at the time in Chicago where they had immigrated to, um, there were a fair number of uh, Czech uh, and Slovak immigrants. And uh, they even uh, operated uh, a delicatessen that served mostly the um, local Slavic population in uh, Cicero in, in Chicago. Um, at the time, uh, my grandfather uh, wrote a novel. Uh, I just discovered that it's still available uh, at several of the um, antique bookstores around uh, uh, the Czech Republic um, called uh, Little Giants. It's a, a novel about uh, Czech immigrants uh, to the United States. He also uh, spent a lot of his summers uh, dragging the family to Texas to uh, visit the Czech communities uh, that are uh, known in, in um, central Texas. So, uh, and he wrote a, a book about this. 
Yeah, and that, that's a great that's a great point too because we've had on our show before, uh, come and take it, which is a uh, a podcast of some of our great friends in Texas that talk about Texas history, and we've had them on our show and we've been on their show uh, talking about the Czech traditions that uh, were in the great state of Texas, and a lot of people that either immigrated through uh, in the nineteenth century or even into the twentieth century uh, came through New Orleans and or Houston. Uh, and, and those ports and uh, um, and then came through to to settle and there 's a lot of places there that have these these great Czech uh, you know traditions on recipes for shop, shops and kolaches and you can you know you can you can see some of those things where you can you can actually uh, see some old churches that are named uh, you know small Prague or, or little bohemia uh, it 's all through there it 's really really interesting and there 's a lot of our listeners from the states have these connections and I think part of the reason why they listen to the Bohemian podcast is to try to grasp some of those ancestral roots. And you've got a book right here that's uh, written by your grandfather uh, with the great state of Texas on the front of it. Yeah, the, the, the title translates into English as something like um, At Our uh, Locals in the State of Texas. So uh, it's a story of uh, te- uh, the Czechs living in Texas. Uh, my grandmother also uh, was uh, quite active with, in the, in, with her writing. Um, she wrote a, a cookbook which was translated uh, into uh, English and German, a uh, Czech national cookbook. Um, and whenever I show this to uh, my local Czech friends, uh, they always uh, get a sm- have a smile uh, from the fact that it's written in that style that it was very um, artfully written and it was obviously written uh, for people who had uh, an abundance of time to uh, to make these very complex Czech recipes. But I think oftentimes the locals are also uh, – my uh, local friends who are, are in their 30s or maybe early 40s uh, are surprised to see uh, some, some Czech dishes that they've never heard of before. And uh, perhaps in, you know, in the future, Pete, if you're ever interested, you could do a, a great podcast on the history of Czech cuisine because there's uh, qu- quite an interesting story about uh, how the uh, social under socialist times, uh, the uh, what was considered common uh, Czech dishes, uh, the number was greatly reduced. You brought this up. We did actually do a show on Czech cuisine, but we didn't really talk about the effects of of trying to find the right ingredients during the communist times, which was a challenge. Uh, but we did talk about a lot of the cool things that people do eat here. I was kind of smiling when you're reading that, that thinking that maybe some of the, the friends and family members would look through this cookbook and go, wow, that's an ingredient with a, with a lot of butter. <laughs> There's a lot of things in here that we consider probably not as healthy oriented uh, in today's issue. Like, you know, please save all the cooking fat so you can make some really great dishes. <laughs> There's like my grandparents, the same thing. They had German background. They saved everything, man. I mean, they lived through the Great Depression. They, <laughs> they, they saved every bit of, of cooking fat they could use later. Uh, couldn't be very healthy, but boy, would it, did it taste good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So a little, little taste of home. Well, as we're kind of wrapping up the show tonight, um, there's a lot of here to digest, whether you're talking about your family, talking about your your attributes of putting together this this great app that I've, I've used and I've enjoyed. Um, I think a lot of people will get something out of this. The tourists outnumber, I think, the, the populace of Prague almost uh, over two to one in the summer months. So if you're coming here, and a lot of you that are listening uh, to this podcast tonight might be coming here this summer, uh, you may do yourself a favor here to download this. It's a free app that you can download now. You can also add on to some things with, with some issues. And of course, the name of it again is Lingo Native. 
And you can find that uh, in uh, the Google Play Store. You can find it also in, on the App Store uh, and other places that uh, you can download these great apps. You know, um, we really appreciate you, Andrew, being here. And uh, I've gotten to, it's, it's nice working with you so many years. I got to know this part of you. Uh, as you know, I, I, I love family history. I love how it, it connects to us today. And, uh, you know, you know, could you imagine if things were just a little bit different if your grandfather did stay behind or your father? Uh, what could have happened? Maybe you wouldn't be here now. So uh, it's, uh, there's some great family history here. And I hope that uh, that's something that you'll pay it forward with, with, your, with your kids. Uh, and tell them these wonderful stories. And, and we appreciate you letting us into your life uh, on the podcast tonight to tell all of our wonderful listeners about uh, what brought you here eventually several generations after your grandfather left and uh, what you're doing right now with the application. Thank, thank you very much, Pete. It's a real pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, great. And uh, if, if you can, uh, be sure to, to take a look at our website at bohemican.com. You can take a, uh, an also a, a visual tour of what we're doing with our YouTube channel. Just go to Bohemican. Uh, you'll find a, the, the playlist there on YouTube. So until next time, for my partner that was absent today, Travis Dow, I'm Pete Coleman, saying see you next time on the Bohemican Podcast. You have been listening to the Bohemican Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. 